0: This message was brought to you by Christian Service.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Greg Scott, and I welcome you to the Fancy File Podcast. I am your host. Today we have a very special podcast for you. Maybe more special than previous podcasts. Why? Because I said so. Uh, I have with me today an excellent group of co-panelists, panelists, panelists, guests. I don't know what we're calling ourselves anymore, but I will introduce them, and then you you decide. You write in, and you tell us if this week they should be the co-hosts. Panelists, co-panelists, guests, however, first, to my left and your left, we have the marvelous Mickey! How are you? I am
2: doing great. Only great? I'm doing wonderful. Some kind of wonderful.
1: Some kind of wonderful? Some kind of wonderful. Fantastic. Are you excited for today's podcast?
2: You know, I am. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible, and the fact that we're going to spend many a weeks in it is even greater to me.
1: Fair indeed. Next, we have the man with the plan. Does he have a plan? We don't know, but he'll tell us.
0: Rexosaurus, How are you, sir? I'm doing quite well. I'm enjoying the summer weather. The sun is nice and bright, but it's not unbearably hot out. I'm enjoying myself.
1: What would be funny is the day that we released this podcast, if it was, like, rainy, wet. What's well, funny because we assume that the weather here is the same weather that everyone else listens to. That's not the case, right? There might be people who are listening to this, and it might be winter when they finally get to this podcast. So as of the recording, it's June. That's Spoiler fair. alert.
0: Well, Canadian June.
1: In Canadian June still pretty nice. Canadian oh, June gosh, yeah, would yeah. be... Uh, South Carolina April. there, If anyone's listening from South Carolina, shout out. Uh, also we have with us uh, Melanie. Melanie, how are you doing?
3: I'm great. Thanks for having me again. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here as usual. Are you? Yeah,
1: good. Excellent.
3: Yes, it's a beautiful day in June.
1: In the neighborhood.
3: <laughs> in the neighborhood.
1: So. And this literally is your neighborhood.
3: Yeah, it's my hood. do people know
1: you in the hood though
3: i don't know i
2: do you know her in the hood um as i am of the hood uh no (laughs) (laughs) he
3: doesn't know me
2: i'm glad you introduced her at the beginning of the podcast were you wondering who this girl was beyond me
3: (laughs) it's too bad
1: confusion abounds makes it like wait a second there's
0: a woman in the podcast who are these people it's not like she's on the podcast every two weeks with us. You know? Every episode. That's fair.
3: <laughs> it's true.
1: So for those who are, of you who are listening, I would like you to do a few things. First of all, like and subscribe and follow on a few places. So number one, YouTube. We are on YouTube. Christian Service. Is that it? It's the Christian Service. You know, I always say this, and it's like I forget. We're on the Christ- Christian Server. Look it up on YouTube. Uh, And do what I had said we have not only can you listen to the fancy file podcast through YouTube, but we have some other things sermons that we've recorded in the past, and other types of Bible related uh, material. So that's very exciting. Also, uh, I am going to ask Mick to share where you can listen to this on certain streaming platforms.
2: Alright, so you might be I mean, to be fair, if you are listening to this on Spotify, then you know, this is on Spotify. Uh, If you are listening to this on Google Podcasts, then you know it is on Google Podcasts. What? If you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, then surprise, 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 it is on Apple Podcasts. Now, if you are not listening to it on those platforms, it is still on those platforms. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. So go and give us a like and subscribe. Also, we
1: have some shirts that you can buy if you're interested and other type of merchandise –
2: Yes, so by the time of this recording, there are shirts on the way, but on the time of you listening, uh, shirts will be released, more shirts. So we should have the Meeting House shirt being released, Meeting House being our house church. Then you should get the Midnight Christian Service shirt, which Mm -hmm. is an unlegible shirt (laughs) uh, for those who enjoy the heavier side of things. And like to walk around with shirts that no one can read, so um, I know mine's in the mail right now. So I should be getting my my wonderful by main, the end like, of Christian summer service by the end of the summer for sure. What else as merch? Oh yes, this be yes. I think we have travel mugs as well for those who want and in tumbler, tumbler. And if this is coming out in July, is it?
0: No, this should be coming out uh, two weeks from now.
2: Well, that's cool. That means my book is already out. Hopefully. 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 That means you could get my my book, Not at Home, in English. I'm assuming the French version will not be out by the time of this release. But the French version will be out by the end of the summer for sure. Um, And
0: uh, the links will be in the description of all of these episodes of the podcast.
2: Amen. So, yeah, you should get that. It's very short. One chapter a day. You can leave it in your bathroom. That's where I do most of my heavy reading. And... (laughs) Uh Yes. So there you have it.
1: Also, on Facebook, we have two pages that you can like and follow and subscribe and all that wonderful clicking stuff. First of all, we actually have the Fancy File Facebook page. So that's where we will release the Fancy File podcast links. Yes. So please go on there. And also the Christian Service Facebook page. So Christian Service, as some of you would know, uh, is the ministry that kind of overlooks Other ministries that we're involved in. So it's like, oh, Christian service. What does that mean? We're Christians and we like to have service. It's fair. And do service. And Mick has explained that quite a few times. So you can go back in previous (laughs) podcasts if you haven't already and listen and find out what Christian service is specifically. And we'd like to invite all of you who are listening, please reach out. You can reach out through the Christian service Facebook page or Fancy File Facebook page. And we'll respond. Maybe you want a shout-out. If you want a shout-out, we can do that. Uh, If you have any questions on anything that we've said. Because sometimes some people, me, uh, fumble the ball a bit and might say things or misspeak. So I've gone back and listened, and I was like, oh, I should have been more clear on that. So if there's something that you're not clear on, or even something we say that you're not sure about, Mm. you can reach out and ask questions And we'll we'll either send a response to you, like, privately, or if we get enough Bible questions, we may even have a Fancy File podcast Bible question episode. But as of today, no Bible questions have been sent in.
0: Or even if you disagree with us, we are open to correction. If you have a theological issue with something we have said, and you have biblical reasons to back it up, please put it in the comments section, and we will, if we find that your Bible study to be uh, sufficient to argue with us. We may even address that as well. We are open to correction. We are human and we are not perfect. So please. We also, we just enjoy debates and discussions. So put the comments in?
1: We're not open to correction. (laughs) I'm kidding. Yes. As Ezra said, if there's something that you weren't sure about or you feel we said something wrong, please reach out. But also know that, as believers here, that we do lean towards the Pentecostal charismatic side. So if you have an issue with that per se, we're going to have disagreements. Christians are going to have all sorts of disagreements. So recognize that that some of you may not lean towards or even hold to any of that. And hey, that's okay. Being a Pentecostal or charismatic or not a Pentecostal or charismatic does, is not what makes you a Christian, mm-hmm. that you've put your faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone and you're born again of the Spirit. Amen. So that's what makes us brothers and sisters. So, amen. So, for today's podcast, we're actually going to be starting a brand new series that might take us on quite the adventure. But if you have been listening to us for any period of time, you know that we do not uh, go through a Bible verse lightly. And the passages and series we've done have taken quite some time.
0: We're pretty long winded.
1: Maybe you're long winded. <laughs> No, we want to go in and we want to have depth to the Word of God. Now, here's the thing. What you're getting in this podcast is actually how we do our own personal Bible studies together. This is something that we've been doing for years, and it can take us sometimes months to go through passages of Scripture because we don't want to leave any stone unturned. We want to dive in. We want to have depth. We don't want to just have some surfacey experience Mm. with God. We want a deep experience with the Lord And that means a deep dive in the Bible. So we hope that this has been an encouragement to you. Having said all that, to say this, we're going to be going into the book of Revelation.
2: (gasps) What? The big scary.
1: (laughs) The big scary. Now, actually, in our own Bible study group, we, as COVID started, went into Revelation. It was unintentional. It wasn't like, oh, here's COVID. Let's look at Revelation. Because clearly, this is the the signs of the time. (laughs) Just when it started, I mean, just when it started, we had gone into it, and then we were kind of locked away a bit, and we're like, "Well, why don't we continue this?" And we did it. We went through it, every verse, every chapter. Obviously, if we did every verse, we did every chapter. <laughs> Way to go, Greg. <laughs> and it took us about a year and a half. Yeah, we deep dived it, and it was great. It was. I know for me, like I am a big believer in Bible prophecy. Mm. And it is one of the things that I enjoy studying the most in scripture. Now, when I say we're going into Revelation, we are not going in per se right now, this deep dive in the whole book that actually might eventually happen. We might have um, kind of like a complementary podcast that's separate from fancy files where we might actually look at certain books of the Bible. One of them would be Revelation, but that's my intention here is not that we're going into the entirety of the book. We actually want to look at. The letters that jesus gave to the seven churches mm. and i believe that we can look at those passages of scripture without necessarily diving into the stuff that people might find overwhelming or scary because a lot of people are a little freaked out about revelation and, and i can understand why to a degree but i also think there's a lot of ignorance it regarding this book of the bible and it shouldn't be that way some people will look at it and go oh it's only prophecy in scary prophecy and it's like well when we dove in i already knew this but when we dove in we saw that wait a second not every chapter is about scary judgment prophecy Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff about heaven there's a lot of stuff about worship there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of revelation of jesus christ actually the whole book the revelation it means unveiling and it's talking about One, it starts off with the unveiling of Jesus Christ, a greater revelation of who he is. Hmm. So I want us to look at the messages to the seven churches. I'm actually going to have Mick read uh, the passage today. We're going to start in Revelation chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 to 7. And we're going to look at the first one, which is the message to Ephesus.
2: To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands? I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Wow, Mickey, thank you very much. Did you enjoy that? I enjoyed it very much. Big fan of the New King James. Excellent.
1: So like I said, we're going into Revelation. We're going to start the series on the seven churches. So key thing, in the previous chapter, Jesus gave John an unveiling of himself. And it was quite the revelation. If you've gone, <laughs> no pun intended. It's oh, um, not a
0: pun. That's exactly what it was. That's
1: true. We read Revelation and we got a revelation. There you go. It is quite the unveiling. And if you've read the gospel, I hope so. If you're a Christian, you've read the gospels, and you see how the gospels describe Jesus. And then as you're going through Revelation, and you get this picture of who he is, it could be overwhelming to some Christians. And I think that's kind of why, in some ways, some people might pull away from it. But it's important to remember that. If you haven't read it, I would encourage you to go in and read Revelation chapter one, because it will definitely help with kind of things that Jesus will say to the seven churches. So John sees this vision of him, and then he sees Jesus holding seven stars, and he's walking among these seven lampstands, which Jesus then says the seven stars are the messengers, or in some translations, angels of the churches, and then the lampstands represent the churches. Now, Regarding the churches themselves, there has been a lot of theories, maybe opinions regarding what each represents. And you'll have some people that will actually say that besides the fact that they're actually written to churches, they are, they're written to churches that existed in that time, but each church represents a prophetic point in time that is going to happen, which in their minds happened in the past, but from that point it was written would be in the future that each church represents a point in history. And that is an interesting theory. And I've read pastors who have brought that forth and they'll give their reasons why. I don't want to dwell there and start like explaining, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Should you accept that? Should you not? Because that's not the point of this. But just to show you that that exists, that there's people who think that way uh, within the church. I do believe this for sure. Each of these churches does represent today things that churches deal with or are dealing with that they dealt with. Whether it's, look, you have a church that exists that looks entirely like the way, say, Ephesus, because we were talking about Ephesus, or it holds parts of it, however you want to look at it, there are things that we deal with that they dealt with. So that's why I think reading this, it's important to remember that because these messages are relevant to the churches today. Amen. And it is addressed to churches. It's important to remember that as you're mm-hmm. reading it. Now, yes, as Christians, we can still take things from it and apply it to our lives to help us to grow. Because if Jesus is saying, don't do this and repent, well, he's not saying don't do this to a corporate church, but then privately go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. Like if he's saying the church don't do it, he's saying, I don't want you doing this. This displeases me. So I think it's it's really important that we look at this and... So not only individually within ourselves, examine ourselves to the scripture. Hey, is there anything that is being said here that I need to change to line up my life with? And really what Jesus is telling us. And then if you're, say, a pastor of a church or you're in a ministry, it's important to look at this and go, Jesus is saying this to the churches. I need to make sure that what I'm leading, what God has given me, It's pleasing to him, and it's not something that I'm ignoring or warnings that he gives and then going off and doing it myself, because the ministries that that we have, you're not in charge of it, Mm. Jesus is.
0: Well, I think you can make the same argument as to why the books like Ephesians, Thessalonians, and all these other books and letters that Paul wrote to these churches, well, why are those still applicable to me? Because those instructions were given to the church. Not the building, because what is a building going to do with instructions? But, <laughs> you know? Yes. But, like, the, these instructions were given to the church, the ecclesia, the people of God. And so, yes, although these, this letter in particular is written to the church of Ephesus, many of the instructions will apply not just to... Ephesus 2,000 years ago, but also to the modern church today and to how we live our lives.
1: Amen, yeah, good point.
2: Yeah, I think for Christians, we're a society that loves to have like these personality tests. And I think the seven churches that are that we'll be looking at really kind of are our own little Myers-Briggs, or if you were in a French high school, Le Riazac, where you do many tests and you're like, oh, turns out they want me to be a clown. But, um, (laughs) true story.
1: I almost lost my coffee,
2: but yeah, I think it's important that we, we read these things and then we're able to, to really, I I think, remove our ego out of the way and see if this is actually what we're going through. Because as we'll see, right? Mm -hmm. Christ always gives a way out of the judgment Mm -hmm. that he is Mm -hmm. um, saying they're heading towards. Mm
1: -hmm. Good point, guys. You're going to notice as we go through the letters in Revelation, the 7, that Jesus says something at the end of each message to those churches. And it's, He that hath an ear, and I'm reading from the King James, by the way. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. It's vitally important that we listen to the warnings that God gives. As we just discussed, it's not just messages from like Jesus to those churches at that specific time, and that's it, and we don't have to look at those warnings. No. It's, the Bible is timeless. Mm. It's timeless. All scripture is given. And then it talks about for correction, for reproof, for doctrine. So even this is given to us today. And regarding the tone of the letters, it is very sobering. Mm. Now some today We'll have the idea that Jesus will never say anything harsh.
0: Mm.
1: Jesus will never correct. He'll never be negative. It's all just love and fun. Like the Sermon on the Mount, or Mm -hmm. Mount, I should say. Jesus said some really sobering things. And I remember watching a documentary. Not a documentary. Let me change that. I remember watching a movie based on the life of Jesus. I can't remember which one it was. And maybe some of you will remember this as I share it. And they would have Jesus speak, like, line per line of the word, of the scripture. And then they would have it written, when he was saying things, this is where it's from. But when Jesus was saying the Sermon on the Mount, when he was preaching it, and again, remembering the tone, it's sobering. They, in this movie, had Jesus, like, tickling the disciples, dumping water on the disciples' heads. And it's like, wait a second. Like, he's going around saying... You know, there's going to be some who say, Lord, Lord, who are not entering the kingdom of God. Mm. That is the one of the most sobering passages in all of the Bible. Mm. There's going to be people who believe they're Christian, who are saying, Lord, Lord, do many wonderful works in the name of Jesus, who are not going to heaven. They will go to hell, Yep. and yet they have Jesus dumping water on people. You might go to hell, tickle, 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 dump water, and hee, 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 like it takes away from the seriousness and the soberness of the message so again if you have accepted a teaching that removes the possibility that jesus can say negative things that jesus can say things that are heavy warnings a call to repent you do not believe either in the right Jesus, or you're not getting the full picture of Jesus. Mm. Mm. Please keep that in mind. I do not say that to be harsh, and I do not say that to be unkind. But we need to remember who we represent. Mm. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Mm. And that means we need to portray him exactly as Scripture says. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So Jesus spoke serious warnings to these churches, calling them, to repent. It's the same for today. And this actually would kind of bring up the first question I want to address the group. Why do you think that in some circles, and I say some, we're not broad brushing and saying that all churches or all Christians think this way because we know that's not true. But Why do you think in some areas that repentance or even warnings is like a dirty thing or something to be avoided.
0: Well, we all know in our culture, as things move and progress, we see more and more that people are growing more quote-unquote uh, accepting and more quote-unquote tolerant. But the more time goes on and the more they push these ideals, which started out as genuinely good things, right? Like, we don't want to treat people like garbage we want to hey look i disagree with you but we'll go along to get along you know we'll disagree but we'll treat each other with respect and decency but more and more that that idea has changed and grown from not just hey you know you do you i'll do me we'll do our own thing separately but we'll treat each other with respect has changed to you must accept this and affirm it and so because That is the culture we have here in North America, in Western culture in general, that has kind of eked into how people see church, where now not only are outside we're supposed to accept and affirm everything that happens, internally the church is now being pushed to, well, no, we don't want to preach against sin because we don't want to hurt their feelings. We don't want to have any kind of negative taste in people's mouths or any kind of negative thing coming from the church because we want to draw people in. And so that's why, at least I believe, that's why partially the church has grown away from rebuking, has grown away from correction and warnings of what is to come.
2: I think culture aside, there's a part of responsibility that's on the church. And again, right, not brow brushing, not pointing churches out specifically. What I'm saying is that all these years we've had these revivals, and, and by name, I would say, right, revival meetings, and yep. and trying to get people, and I think over time, we've tried to get people over and over to come to the altar, right? As as Pentecostal charismatics, we've, we have this idea, right, of, of altar calls, and it seemed used to be seen very much so. And you'd get moments where you ask yourself, well, are we only doing this in order to get people to come to the front? And words like repentance, mm. right? The whole sermon would be about nothing. And then immediately it's like, yeah, but repent, because that's the word the Bible uses. So come at the front and repent. But I think for us, we need to be mindful that, uh, watering down a word and using it to the point of it being watered down is never really good for any kind of institution.
0: Mm, agreed. You know?
3: I think I agree with what everyone said, but from my personal experience, and this is part of human nature, I think people don't want to be told that they're wrong, and this is because human nature, people are prideful, and they, um, it's really hard for them to admit that they're wrong. And I think also in churches, probably like people see the effects that like calling out sin has on people, like you said. And so they don't want to create a reaction and they don't want people to not maybe come back to their church. Um, There could be a variety of different reasons, but it is uncomfortable. And even when I have to, I guess, rebuke someone, it's not something that's comfortable, but it's something that's commanded in scripture. It's something that we have to do to build each other up, to edify the body. And if you see that your brother or your sister is, I guess, not on the right path, you have that responsibility to tell them because you love them. And so, I mean, we're going to talk about it, but Jesus loves us and he gives us these warnings because he loves us. He And it's talked about in the Old Testament too. He loves us, so he warns us. And so this is a perfect example of that.
1: Yeah, very good points. I, I like what you're saying, Melanie, how some people will not or have a hard time with calling out people's sin. Mm-hmm. Of course, no one wants to go out of their way to offend anybody. And as Christians, we see in Scripture called to love people. Right? We are one of the fruit of the spirit is love. Mm -hmm. So saying things that we know will upset people, and some people will get really emotional, start crying. That might be something that you might have a harder time dealing with. Mm -hmm. And so that can cause some people to pull away from saying anything negative. And it may also not be just in their personality either. Like you might be a real fun, loving guy, a girl, and... To go and have to deal with things and correct things isn't, isn't easy. But today, it's not only an issue within the church. It's, not, it's just a church problem calling people out. It's a problem that even exists in the world where people don't want to confront somebody who upsets them. It's just not an easy thing to do. Mm. So oftentimes, you'll see people ignoring other people who might be hurting them. And then it ends up getting to a place where there's a big explosion. And it's unfortunate. When I say explosion, I mean like there might be a fight or something. Mm-hmm. And that had been simmering for a while. So it's actually to the benefit of everybody to call out problems. Like in a right way, of course. You don't go out and start thinking that, you know, oh, I'm, I'm the guy that's calling everybody out. So you want to be able to do it the right way. Now, within the church world, we have to do it. We're commanded to do it. Jesus even in his teachings says to us, not just the church, but on an individual level, if, if a brother offends thee, you know, mm. leave your gift at the altar and go and, and reconcile. And there's even parables that kind of deal with repentance and and forgiveness. This is a serious part of, of Christianity. Mm. So it's not just like calling out sin to unbelievers. It's even dealing with it in the church amongst Christians. Hmm. So to do it, and sorry, to not do it, is to ignore what Jesus says, and is to actually do the opposite of what Jesus himself did. Hmm. Now Jesus shows us a beautiful example of when to address things, how to address it, the tone of addressing it. Like you'll see when Jesus was with sinners. Now everyone, obviously everyone was a sinner. But when he was with those that the culture at the time would point out and be like, they're sinners. These are the lost ones. These are the ones who are not in communion with God. He didn't ignore their sin. He would tell them, repent, he did. But he would go and sit with them. He would go to their house and have dinner. He didn't ignore them.
3: That's
1: good. They knew that even though Jesus called out their wicked lifestyle, Jesus generally cared about them. Mm-hmm. I think this is something that we need to take notice of that we might see people who live a lifestyle that we, according to scripture, would say that I can't live. Or maybe it was a lifestyle you yourself lived before you got saved. Does that mean you ignore the fact that they're doing that, never address it, never talk to them about the Lord? No, obviously not. But there is a right way to go about doing it. You want to be able to to do what Christ did, where he can and did tell them that they had sinned and yet they knew he cared about them, but then with the Pharisees, it was the it was the opposite. These were the ones that were supposed to be the shepherds. What did they do? They made it even more impossible for people to enter the kingdom of God. Hmm. They separated themselves so far away from the everyday person that you know when Jesus was with them, and someone came in. Like you think about, I, I forget the name of the woman, um, but it's in the Gospels. She comes in with that alabaster box and she's pouring it on his feet and she's crying they were disturbed by this they were disturbed that he went and sat and went to matthew's house or levi depending on which gospel you're reading they were bothered by that it bothered them see that's where the the heart issue is so we need to remember that for jesus he knew how to do it properly He knew when to be gentle. He knew when to be tough.
2: Well, it's kind of funny, right, that we've gone away from a lot of this uh, pointing out and calling people to repentance. But this letter to a church that has its problems is raised, like, in the positive things Christ has to say about it is that they actually deal with false doctrine. Mm -hmm. They deal and take a stand upon doctrine Mm -hmm. as a whole. So it's kind of very funny, I think, and kind of ironic that in um, in trying to please, to please many people at, at once, we end up falling potentially into one of those seven churches, mm. at least the first one it is. Mm.
0: And I think the other thing to point out, as you were saying, Greg, Jesus knew how to deal with these th- situations. He knew how to approach them. And we can bring that here to verse 2, right? He says, I know your works. I know what you're doing. So Jesus isn't calling out sin and calling for repentance ignorantly. He sees what we're doing. He sees our lives. He sees our hearts, even. He knows our our minds and our intentions. So when Christ calls for repentance and says, hey, this is an area you need to work on, he's not speaking ignorantly. He's not even speaking how I would address uh, you, Greg, or Mick, or Melanie, like, hey, I see your actions, I see what you're doing, and I I don't know everything that's going on, but I I feel that this Christ sees right through to the heart and to the mind. And Mm. so he says, I know your works. Mm. So he knows where their hearts are when he's calling them out. He knows everything. And in knowing all this, he still cares and wants to bring correction because he sees where their hearts are.
1: Yeah. So, good. so there is, could be a lot of reasons within the Christian community, the Christian world and the church world as to why some will not call out sin or repentance is a scary word for them. Mm-hmm. But I do think that if this is not happening in some people's lives and we've seen this because polls have been released where I don't know if it was Barna or the, the Pew Form. Like These are Christian research companies. And they would poll pastors and find out... There's many pastors in the United States who actually don't pray. Their average pr- daily prayer life is like seven minutes. That's
0: terrifying. It
1: is terrifying. So if you have a call to go out and preach the gospel, and as Christians, we are reminded that we're the body of Christ. We're continuing the ministry of Christ on the earth, which includes... The things he said and taught. That means repentance. If you're not in prayer, if you are one of those either pastors, church leaders, or just non pastors, church leader Christians, and you're not praying, you're not being filled with the Spirit, you're not being empowered by the Spirit to say the hard things. Try saying hard things to people in the flesh. (laughs) No, you're gonna say it wrong, you're gonna be unkind you're really going to drop the ball and probably offend them. There's a greater chance of offense if you're doing it in the flesh. But if you're in the spirit, Hmm. there's a sensitivity where the spirit can anoint your mouth to speak. And by the way, when I say anoint, I know that that carries weight to it if you're not in the Pentecostal charismatic side. I'm not talking about some weird thing. I mean like God enabling you to Hmm. do this. So that's what I mean when I say anointed. God will give you the ability to say it properly if it needs to be said with more gentleness if it needs to be maybe a bit harder however the spirit leads you'll have that sensitivity to say things not only to individuals Mm. or to someone out in the street who needs to hear it or even to your own congregation Mm. okay it's good stuff guys thank you thank you very much now before we dive in deeper into the verses themselves in chapter one and i mentioned this earlier in the podcast john given the vision of jesus christ one of the things that he points out is jesus's eyes Mm. okay he mentions how his eyes were like a flame of fire now that's that's interesting because when you think look john walked with jesus right he would have seen his eyes you know when you talk to somebody usually you look in someone's eyes and that's the first thing he notices. Well, I shouldn't say the first thing, but one of the things he notices is his eyes are as a flame of fire. And that's actually a sobering thought when you think of, of the fact that, look, Christ sees all things. He sees what's going on in the churches. He sees the good. He sees the bad. He sees the ugly. Mm-hmm. This hasn't changed. He still has those eyes of flame of fire. He is still today speaking to the church. He still sees what's happening in the church world. And he's still calling churches to repentance. And we're going to notice that as we go through the seven churches, that many of them had serious issues. Now think about that. This was the church of the first century. These are, we think, the book of Acts, right? And we kind of can romanticize the book of Acts or at least the churches in the book of Acts, and this we can think they were always in revival. Everything was perfect. And not only do we and can we do that with Acts, we can also do that when we look at churches throughout history that were in genuine revivals and awakenings. Mm-hmm. I think, man, they never had issues. They were in the spirit. Everything would have been great. However, we see that Jesus himself is addressing these churches directly churches of the first century churches where some of them may have been alive who had seen jesus or had been with the apostles and seen all the miracles that were taking place and yet still jesus is calling them to a holy life the standard was very high for those churches Mm. guess what that hasn't changed the standard is still high for us today why because we represent. The Lord Jesus Christ. We are his body. We are his people. We are his messengers. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Teach them. Teach them the things that I taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We have a high standard. And if we don't meet that high standard, we open the door for the world to point at us and go, look at these hypocrites. Now, yes, J- Jesus said that the world will hate you. And that will be um, demonstrated in different ways. That doesn't mean that every single non-believer looks on individuals in the church with this violent hate and they want them all to die. Obviously not. But the world, the world is not going to applaud the church because it is the opposite of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay? they love the darkness. So do not expect that even in revival, the world is going to go, wow. However, there's a difference between the world hating the church because it is, it's Jesus they dislike, they, they love the darkness and they don't want to come to the light mm-hmm. compared to there's a church and they're all living in sin and they're all acting inappropriately and they're all doing things that they should not be doing mm-hmm. and then that invites criticism, especially today. Social media, the news, it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. How many times Christian leaders get caught doing terrible things and of course the world is going to be like ah look at this Mm. so we have a high standard to follow Mm. we represent jesus christ we don't represent men as we go through this we need to examine our life to the scriptures if you're a pastor that's listening to this or a, a church leader a ministry leader examine your ministry or church to these verses. If there are things that
0: need to be changed and repent of, do it. Do it. Yep. And we can't forget that even Paul says this, right? He says, hey, be blameless before man as you are before God. Mm -hmm. We don't have to prove anything to God. He has already, like, sanctified us or justified us and is sanctifying us. So we don't have to prove to God, look how good I am. I I deserve your grace and mercy. No, Paul says live blameless before men as you are before God. If we're out living worse than the world, if we're out there doing things that even they would find shocking, if we're out there being hypocrites and not living out the gospel that we, we claim to cling to, well, of course they're going to ridicule us. But when Jesus says, hey the world is going to hate you because they hate me. They're talking about how when you stand for truth, when you stand for the word of God, and for what God calls us to, which is holiness, they're going to hate you because you're standing in their way, quote unquote, of living their lives and having their joys and their pleasures, because the world loves sin. And if you're living righteously before God, if you're preaching the gospel if you're teaching his word they're going to hate you because you're calling out their sin you're exposing light into the darkness so of course you know if you're not living blamelessly and the the world hates you that's your fault you are calling this hatred on yourself because you're not living righteously yeah but also understand that if you like what jesus was talking about was people that are living righteously for him teaching his word faithfully they're going to hate you because they don't want the truth.
2: Right. I think also we have to remember that when it comes to the the idea of high standard for Christians, it's easy I think to kind of see it from like a negative perspective, where it's like there's yeah. so many things that are expected of us. Mm-hmm. When in reality, I think there's a lot more on the positive regarding that. Um, so I, I, most of the time, I work at school, I at an elementary school, and you know you have kids from different age groups and every year, right? There are different expectations from, from one level to another. And you expect a lot more from a sixth grader than a first grader. But at the end of the day, there's so much more, I'm gonna use the word fun uh, in the context of school, but so much more fun and, and fun things we get to do with that high expectation. Uh, my sixth graders at school have special camping chairs that no one else in the school can use. There are different things that only they can have. They have hot chocolate twice a week. They have all these little things. And as Christians, that high standard comes with that. Mm-hmm. It comes with the, the the blessings of the Lord, knowing that we are safe and secure in him, that he is carrying us, and that if he doesn't carry us, then we're done. And so we get this great joy that, is, that does surpass all understanding, yep. because no one has that high standard except for Christians. Mm. And so, yes, we get all eyes on us, but a lot of the eyes that we get on us is because of the light that we do have. Mm. And Amen. It, it is that great blessing. We get those spiritual camping chairs, those spiritual <laughs> hot chocolates, those little things, extras that other people don't see that when trials come, we still have hope. When trials come, we still have a deep joy and we have something worth rejoicing Even if you're going through just objectively the worst thing a human can go through, Mm. be it sickness, loss of a child, um, hard times at work, depression, all these things. We still have that hope. We still have all of that. And Mm. um, it comes with a high standard. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. I think we're going to land the fancy file plane there at the fancy file airport, the Christian service airport. There it is. (laughs) I hope that today was a blessing to you and give it will give you kind of like a bit of a taste on what to expect with this series uh, going forward so again if you have any questions if you have any prayer requests please also send them we will pray for them we actually have a weekly prayer meeting and uh we would love to pray for you i don't care if we don't know who you are if you if you live in australia and you need a prayer request we promise that we will pray for it uh, and every other nation of the world as well so that's it for today. I'm your host, Greg the Scots. I hope that, uh, that you were encouraged, and I was with the marvelous Mick, thank you for having me, Rexy,
0: always a pleasure,
1: and the Melanie
3: Melflow out.
1: Thank you, and God bless.